Thank you for joining us for another massive episode of your favorite podcast, The Dawson D Show. And boy, do we have a big one in store for you today. Our next guest has a story and a half to tell. After running away from a traumatic home life at just 12 years old, he spent 20 years behind bars in prison after a number of high-level crimes, including robbing banks across Australia. But after 14 years clean, he is now changing the lives and mindsets of thousands of people through his lifestyle program. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jeff Morgan. Now, this episode is quite heavy and may be distressing to some listeners, so please listen with caution. Jeff's story is absolutely fascinating, and you're about to hear his full circle journey from running away from home into a life of crime and ultimately coming out the other side. Jeff shares some of the crimes he committed and the day he robbed a Melbourne bank for $250,000 and finally was caught for good. He describes exactly what it's like inside prison and some of his eye-opening experiences inside. We hear about the violence that leads to deaths, suicides, and how nasty it can really be. And trust us, if you have preconceived ideas about jail, it may change after listening to this one. But on a more inspirational note, you hear exactly what he's doing today and the thousands of people he's impacting. And of course, no episode of the Dawson D Show is without a laugh. It's what's in the golf box returns. Now, if you're new here, hit that subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. But it's time to hear Jeff's story in his own words. Here he is, Jeff Morgan. Well, today's a big one. Oh, yes. A really big one. Jeff Morgan, welcome to the Dawson D Show. Thanks for having me. Mate, we are so excited to sit down with you. We've got a lot of facets of your life to talk about. But to begin, can you just take us back to where it all began? We want to hear where you are now and the incredible things you're doing. Yeah. But to set the scene, let's go all the way back to probably even childhood. Growing up, read from Waterloo, Sydney suburb, average Sydney suburb, a lot of housing commission. Father's a gambler, mother's an alcoholic, grown up as a proud Aboriginal woman, going through the stolen generation, a lot of racism and so forth. That's instilled her in her and no doubt passed on to me as a young kid. Mother and father fight a lot. I get asked who I need to head towards. I choose my father at that point in time. Father's abusive, 12 years of age. I run out onto the streets, head into a life of crime. By the end of that crime, I serve... Probably 20 years-ish, I've counted up to about that and there's I haven't done the exact maths on it but it might even go over that. Uh, by the end of it, I was a bank robber. Uh, I was arrested uh, the last two times, seven years sentence in Melbourne, 2003, 2010 is the last time I was in custody and released. Been home 14 years now. In between all of that, on the streets, Brother and sister commit suicide, 216, 218, 219, brother from a preventable health issue. And uh, I come home from a Victorian sentence seven years down there. During that time, do a nutrition science degree, decide to flip my life, had enough of it, and step into personal training, qualified nutritionist. As I said, 216, brother commits suicide, flips me into the mental health and well-being side of things, realisation that human beings, just like a business, have so many facets and we tend to just focus on maybe getting physically fit but not mentally fit or what we tell ourselves we become fit um, sort of mentality. Leadership, you know, these different facets. And I just realised there was so much missing in, I thought it was just within the Aboriginal community, I realised human beings just have, you know, great strength in one area. Maybe your parents were great at one thing and stepped into the life I currently live and that's a bit of me. It's a, it's a lot of you. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a lot. I, I keep thinking of just the I think of me at 12. Like yeah. that's, I try and think, shit, what was I doing at 12 years old? Mm. And I'd be really intrigued, how do you... Like survival as a 12-year-old, you decide, I'm going to jump out the window, I'm going to run away from home, yeah. from the abusive life that I've, I've suffered. But what, what, how do you survive? Like, like what do you yeah, have to do crazy. to survive as at 12? It was crazy. Like, I was looking at I walked past the rocks the other day and I found a fountain and there was money that was in there and I used to fit my hand through and grab money and go and buy. Back then, lollies were 20 cents and I could survive off a packet of those for breakfast, lunch and dinner <laughs> uh, and then just walk around and do things and go back to the area after school and kick a footy or play touch or whatever it was we did back then. No PlayStations. I'm 50 this year, so give context to people and we get out on the streets and then I'd just sort of cruise the streets, find a dark spot, climb up on a roof, do something, hide myself as best I could and go to sleep at night. And, yeah, fast forward, I go back to that spot recently and walk past and I used to stick my hand in that drain 
and I read the actual thing and it was for those that had gone to war and I was like, oh, wow, really? That's what you did? But, you know, I look back on it and think to myself, I was a kid, I didn't know any better and I was just trying to do do my best. I didn't even read what that fountain was about. I just saw money and said, that's going to get me something to survive. And it's something I've, I've promised myself to get back down there, get 500 bucks worth of gold coins and throw them in there, man, because who knows? I'd say that's probably what I took over the time I was there. Then I found other street kids who became savvy and that's where the life of crime sort of stemmed from. It was more about, you know, just getting under the canteen one day opening a packet of chips, those sorts of things, finding warm places. There was car parks that were good like that. Put myself up in a corner where no one would really walk. You'd climb up and behind a sort of air conditioning vent type thing and it would spit out warm hair and I'd go, this oh, is yeah. nice on a, on a cold night and that was it. And you'd, you'd get the average um, rat that would come by every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and decide to become your friend and walk all over you while you're sleeping. That was unbelievable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as you said, 12-year-old kid, most are, you know, playing toys, Barbie dolls or something of that nature. And it was just an insane upbringing. Firstly, what would you describe as like a petty crime? What does that mean? Does that mean like it's not jail-worthy or anything bad? It's almost like you need to do it to survive versus the line between a petty crime and, and a serious offence? Yeah, definitely. Like for me, I suppose back then I didn't even realise the difference between both. If you look back on it now, steal a packet of chips. Any crime is not, not good. I, I, let me clear that up mm. for anybody that listens to this. But as a young kid, I just went out and went, packet of chips, I'm hungry. I did not even think I was doing something wrong. I didn't say, I'm stealing, this is bad. I, and I'd grown up with what role models to tell me that that was good or bad. And I just went out and said, I need food. And then, yeah, petty crime stuff of that age, just stealing something, um, yeah, for the sake of you don't have enough money to do so. I'm not saying that it's right, but in this day and age, in this economy currently right now, I can guarantee a lot of people are doing things. I've seen some celebrity the other day get caught or arrested for stealing. And I just think we're in a time at, at this you know, frame of time, I suppose, with a lot of people taking more risks because they don't have the money they usually have and people moving back into their own homes. And this is where this petty crime picks up and people are struggling. They'll add an extra thing into the supermarket. Now it comes down to trusting you, scanning that as you walk out and, the, you know, there might be people that push those limits I'm tipping at this point in time in my life. Yeah, I think actually like people actually are complaining at the moment because at the moment Woolies are in Coles and stuff. They actually have barriers now oh, wow. where you actually you have to – you scan your stuff, you pay, you walk to almost where you would walk out and I don't know if it scans you but it opens the barriers for you now to oh, walk wow. through. So people can't even pinch just a couple of things anymore because it actually detects you. With Redfern, it's obviously – is it Redfern? Yeah, yeah Redfern. Red, Redfern. So, like, doing some reading about yourself and yeah. understanding that area, being the housing commission spot that it was, yeah. and largely of that demographic was the Indigenous Absolutely. people. Can you maybe share a little bit about what it was like growing up as an Aboriginal boy, yeah. and and the effects? It, like, I'm sure you would have copped a lot of. Like, they're not one of us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, I think it was that era. And then, like, I've seen the transition. It's crazy. We were talking about this yesterday. Um, after us, it was, and I mean this in the nicest way, it was the Greeks or Italians, and they had a term for them. And then it went into the, the Asian people that came into the country. Uh, and that's trended, in my opinion, to the African people that have come to our country at this point in time. And I think, you know, for us as Aboriginal people, we were the highlight and, you know, the reflection of the trauma going out to the world and button heads at particular points. And I, same thing, you know, I look at it now and I always say the greatest race on this planet is the human race when we all get on with one another. My grandmother taught me love, kindness, empathy and respect towards any human um, and she was a proud Aboriginal woman. And to me, I just that's how I treat everybody and if you treat me the same, I'll stay in this space. If you don't, I wish you all the very best and I'll still clap you on as well and hope that you learn something on that journey. But it was an area where police brutality from just being Aboriginal was that. And I, I seen it the other day. I was in the gym, Mundane's gym, boxing, and we had all these people walking by and the police car come down, unmarked police car, and they pulled over the Aboriginal kids amongst all those. And I was like, why does that happen? Mm. So I would have loved to have filmed that and said, I want to ask you, have a look at everyone walking by here. And it just happened prior to this. But these two young kids, and they sort of complied with them and they let them go pretty quickly. But, you know, just 
why? What still are, happening. And, and it's still happening. Yeah. So imagine back then when it was toxic, there was crime, the normal behaviours were dr- drugs, alcohol, dysfunction, destructiveness and so forth. I totally understand it. They've got to police themselves. But they realise down the track you can keep going the way we're going and we can riot with each other, burn police cars, fight police. They can dish out that back as much as it, you know they received it. Or we can start to build better relations. And that's what um, the community did down Redfern. You go down there now, it's a beautiful community. The police know one another. They come and box with the community early morning. And now we're we're able to have a better relationship where we're not under that pump. But it did surprise me the other day when I seen that kid get pulled over. And I was Mm. like, oh, wow, amongst all the people, you pulled over that person. So it's still instilled in them. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's almost like, almost like generational racism that still clearly exists. And that was a big learning lesson for me when I learned about racism, what yeah. racism meant. And for me, I th- always thought racism would be treating somebody differently than yourself or poorly. Mm. But then when you learn about things like that, just seeing somebody of a different race and almost feeling a bit nervous, for example, Absolutely. like these, 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 mm. these pre, you know, predetermined yeah. in, in your mind. Absolutely. That you that are just subconscious and I think that's like a big step and it obviously still exists. On the topic of identity, mm. when was your first major crime, so to speak? And yep. did you ever identify yourself from being a good person to a bad person or from a member of society to a criminal? Did like yeah. did, did did this ever play in your mind no, or anything? No. Uh, so I didn't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, cool. I was I think if anyone's been a victim of anything that's been yeah, if you're running from a tiger you're not thinking about life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you are t- technically, you're yeah. running for your life, but uh, you're not saying, what are my goals? What are my dreams? What are my aspirations? What girl will I, how many kids? It wasn't happening. I was just in this full survival mode, mode fight or flight. And yeah, the, it's the last thought you're thinking about to be straight out and honest. So for me, I never thought I was doing anything wrong. And what I was, we, you spoke about it before, that consciousness or unconscious. Um, bias around Aboriginal people, as an example, I was unconscious around what I wanted out of life. And that's, I I realise now, CEOs, soldiers, athletes, mothers, fathers, brothers, and all of the above, sit in a space where we go through this programming of life. So if I said to you, what is the program of life? You'd say, go to school, get a job, go to uni, find a wife, have two kids, whatever it is, build the dream home retire at this age and that's the program we're dished out in life but what if you want more from life what if you want to travel 10 times a year rather than one time and skim just to make sure that holiday happens and now you've got to juggle your bills all year round just to make it happen again so how can we shift and change that and you know that's something i had that realization through that i was just this kid in survival mode on a direction and path that was about me and my vital organs continuing yeah. to beat and yeah, it doesn't justify what I did. I had the realisation at some point in time, probably 16, yeah, something's amiss here. How come other people are going to work early? Why is that person driving that Ferrari? Why couldn't I do that? What, what does he know or she know that I don't know? Mm-hmm. And then I started to step into that space and learn things and start to move myself away from. And those sum of all, you know, the sum of all those efforts, the courses I did in jail, the people I spoke to, I was speaking to a lot of corporates that came into jail. What, you know, what was a family life? What did that mean? Like you said, to me, what was the definition of it? I'd never had that defined to me by my family. We'd never been that family ourselves, nor had anybody taught me. So I was just running wild. And by the time the realisation came, I was so entrenched in it, it was hard to change that habit. And, yeah, when you that's been your life and you've built a brand around your name, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I spent 25 years building that brand unconsciously, but... Yeah, subconsciously, I must have been playing up to and saying, I'm going to continue this pathway. I'm well-known, respected. Who cares if I go to jail? I'm, yeah. I'm cool with it. And it's, yeah, crazy, crazy mindset. But the, you know what's crazier? Most people do that and they're free because mm-hmm. they become a prisoner of their own mindset where they don't consciously say, actually, I don't want this life. And well, I do want this, but I want it to be better than just existing. I mm-hmm. want more 
then I've currently got. And they won't go out and create a business for fear, anxiety, past experiences. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever it is that you think. And that overthinking drives them back into the path of acceptance. This episode of Doss and D with Jeff Morgan is brought to you by Fleet Plan Hire Solutions. I've just checked the weather app, Doss. Mm. It is 34 degrees on the Gold Coast, stinking hot. And right now, I would love to dive into a swimming pool. And as a kid, I did have one. I was lucky enough, and so were you. I was. But yeah. uh, when I get back to Melbourne, I'm wondering if I can call my landlord and say, hey, can we put in a swimming pool? But if we do, where am I going? Straight to Fleet Plan Hire Solutions. Oh, yes. I mean, there's so many reasons. They're, they're the best in the business, but they've got everything truck hire, uh, fleets plant hire, everything, uh, they're probably the only one I'd be trusting. Earth moving needs, you go see them. Chris and the team will look after you. Their customer service is number one, and that's why we love them so much. fph.com.au for all your earth moving needs. Let's get back to the episode with Jeff. At the moment, there's a hell of a lot of youth crime right, go, going on. I mean, yeah. it sounds like it's a different youth crime than what it was when you were Massive. younger, right? So you're True. talking about running in, stealing a couple of packets of chips. But you're you're talking survival. You're not actually trying to harm anyone. You're yeah. not going stealing cars necessarily. But at the moment, it's it's currently just it's blowing out of the water to yeah. the point where an incident happened where we're from only yeah. a few nights ago in Mornington. Yeah. And there was an elderly guy. He would have been in his mid-70s. And it was on film. And the 14-year-olds, the there probably three or four of them. And, and we'll put the video up with this clip too. Yeah. But they pushed this old man in the water. Wow. And he couldn't swim. Wow. It's 10 o'clock at night. And there's other fishermen around, thank God, that jumped in and, and they ran so, off yeah. and they're filming saying, yeah, the boys and ran off. And two of the kids Crazy. are now currently, you know, everything, the process happening to hopefully something might happen. But how do you see us overcoming this? And mm. especially when a lot of it's to do with ageism, taking advantage of people that are, that are elderly and they're, you know, obviously more vulnerable. Yeah. You got to dig deep because what we'll look at is, uh, I understand totally and what happened was unacceptable, right? But it's the kids seeking validation from my mate. And if that kid's seeking validation from his mate, where doesn't he get the validation from his parents? And sometimes we have a disconnect and this for all the parents out there. We'll die for our kids in our set, in our head, right? So we'll go out and work from 5 in the morning till 9 p.m. at night. Your wife now doesn't get the attention and what happens with your wife starts to drift elsewhere. And I mean this in a nice – it's just a reality and it's a fact of this whole life conversation. And your kids, what do you reckon? They don't get the hug. They don't get the leadership, the role modelling that they want from their parents. When was the last time you kicked the footy with them? When was the last time you shot a netball with your, your daughter? And once you have that – understanding now you can say you know what as much as i want to do that with my family wednesday nights i do not work and i'm going to a family dinner fridays i kick the football with my son before he plays tomorrow on a saturday or something and now and you know that helps your wife start to feel appreciated valued and so forth and if you're not valued these kids i was that kid went out on the streets started to do graffiti was something i've never really spoken about was very well known as a graffiti artist so i'm in a lot of the books and that was seeking validation. This was my ID. Here it is, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, Morgs, you're great. You're And I, every time you did that, dopamine, dopamine. Yeah. So where do I go back to? Do I go back to my parents where it was unsafe and not? I didn't feel stable, nor was there security for myself? When I went to the boys, that was all there. And, yeah, the boys. So that validation, and especially now with social media, even more so, oh, yeah, high five, brother, you, you showed them who was boss and mm. all of the above. It's it's just reinforcing exactly who they are. And the more you do that, the more you neuroplasticity-wise build that into that young kid to say, I need to seek validation from Morgs and Dan. And once that happens, that becomes a dangerous space for anybody. Mm. Look, it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about this because already the w- way I was kind of picturing the interview and chatting to you is already kind of flipped a little bit, which is yeah. really really interesting. But <laughs> I, do wanna, <laughs> I do want to I do want to hear though about the bank robbery. Yeah. Um, so I'd just love you to take us through. I know at times there was a sledgehammer. Yeah. Like uh, talk us through what you did, to, like as as detailed as you can yeah, or yeah. comfortable to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Talk us through robbing a bank. Yeah, I'll talk about the last one that I got arrested for. It was out at Blackburn down in Victoria. We'd come down from Sydney, drove down, um, rental car under a fake ID, rented a hotel in um, Richmond, uh, I believe it was. I don't even remember. I literally try and erase most yeah, of the stuff of out of my mind. I think it was Richmond. Anyway, smaller detail. We then go on case out at that bank. They say we looked at another bank as well. 
Um, long story short, get the sledgehammer. We've already got balaclavas and, and scanner and all of the above. When we you say we, sorry, how many? Uh, there was um, a crew of four okay, at the time. Okay. So we were known by the police at that point in time. In their eyes, we were the sledgehammer gang. We then get a M5 BMW from a place in South Melbourne, shut the road or no one knows we've taken it. And the idea of that is to make sure that we can drive that you know, and cruise around the streets. No one, there's not going to be an issue with it. We take that out, plan it out near the bank at Blackburn. We have a look at different routes. We test drive those late at night, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, we leave all the balaclavas, everything in a, in a safe spot out that way. So you drive out, you don't have anything like that in your car. Police pull you over, search and find balaclavas. Not going to go down well. So we take that out in the car, and that way, if you do get chased, you know, you you not fussed in the Tarago that we had at the time. Park it in a set of flats. As we're coming back the next day, I sort of have a realisation that, wait a second, I reckon we're being watched. I'd seen this one car, I still remember that, green Calais, there was a bird shit on the back window. <laughs> so it was right near the old antenna of the old phones. And, I was and this like, is before you've done it. Yeah, so yeah. I've seen it in the city, I've seen it at um, Turak, and then I've seen it at Blackburn or out near there somewhere. I was like, that's the same car. Turn left in here and it was a dead-end cul-de-sac type thing where flats were and they came up and they seen us and then they revert. I said, mate, we're being watched 100. Oh, no, you're tripping out. Let's pull out of the robbery. Don't worry about it. I'm happy to get six months for the car. Yeah, if they get us for the car down here, I'll do six months, three months of parole. And that's how, like, my head was still that's in crazy. that space. Like, yeah, ah, whatever, do nine months. months Who yeah. cares? And, like, you know. I got to a point where I didn't even appreciate freedom, I suppose. It mm. just didn't matter to me. Then, um, no, nah, no, nah, it's okay. We drive to the car. We get to the car and there's a black, um, sorry, there's a white van with black tinted windows facing the car. And I'm like, mate, oh, listen, I love yous, but I reckon we're being watched and I reckon the camera's in that and all they're about to jump out of that and arrest us all. I'm not going to walk up to the car. If you want to do that, that's up to you. I'll wait up at the Tarago. If I see he's getting arrested, I'm out. I'm bailing over the fences. I wish you all the best. I go, we'll get the car. All right, sweet. They get the car and drive it out. Sure enough, there was a camera in that car and filmed them getting in and face front on. That's what ended up sinking them from the get-go. Because I was a distance, I'd pled not guilty and said it wasn't me. The jump I'd taken off at that time and thrown in the Tarago, they'd taken a photo of that at the hotel. You couldn't tell it was me throwing it. It was like those movies walking down the middle of the highway and it was all, but you could tell the person through and the only jumper was the jumper I was wearing. So they made that inference. But we then go to the bank and um, you pull up, pretty much pull straight up out the front, walk in, jump over that counter full pace and you walk in, trying to be inconspicuous and you got your sunglasses on, you're all in black or something. Or so, yeah. it's, it's, is there uh, weapons involved? Hostages? Nothing, kind of, no, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing like that. No. It's weird. I'm thinking going, of the movies, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, you're oh, put your hands up. You, know, like, <laughs> you don't say, like, to be honest with you, at that point in time, what we, uh, even before that, I always did crimes where no one would see me. So it was weird. I didn't want to hurt anybody. And I think that went back to mm. what you spoke about that survival mode. I just believe my job was to go and make money to live. And even when I got older, I, I had, couldn't get out of the habit or the thought of it. Yeah. It becomes such a program that when I robbed the bank, I was just like, oh, this is my job. So right. how many had you had, had you robbed successfully? Um, zero. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, right. Because you could never answer that question technically. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So long story short, I got arrested for two. Um, I did five years for one up in Sydney, seven years for the last one. We pull up, we walk in, I jump that counter, open the door, the others run in with the sledgehammer, we smash open or we're starting to smash open the vault. The vault's open in the day at that point in time. Um, it's a pretty thick door, but that's open and inside that it's just a fin door and it's akin to surprise. You open that up and sometimes it's a good surprise, sometimes it's not as good and... During that, kids were crying. What was the surprise like in there? 250K that okay. day. So that was a small surprise. Was I'd it? Say. Yeah. yeah. But um, in general, yeah, we get it. We technically think we get away. We technically mm. think we get away. And um, at that point in time, 
unfortunately, we go back to the same hotel. We've lost contact. We come out of the bank. Bloke's up on the gutter. He's out the front of the bank with his car parked literally at the front doors. Come out. I think I'm Dukes of Hazard. Slide across his <laughs> yep. bonnet. I was like, how cool is this? Um, bang, jump in the car. We get chased by this bike. And I'm like, mate, that bloke was either a copper or a motocross mm. rider. Sure enough, he was a police officer just on a sort of civilian bike. Go back to the same hotel, dump the money, split the money, go in town to do some shopping, yeah. just sort of de-escalate the whole thing. And if you are sort of found to be in Melbourne, I was shopping, mate. I was down there doing what everybody else would do. What's the problem? That was the idea of it all. Next minute, um, the SOGs are running in, the Special Operation Group, and down on the ground and... The rest is history. Mm. Did me the biggest favour ever. Really? I'd run with that crew for a long time yeah. and they decided not to come to court because they didn't want to mess themselves up was the conversation in Port Phillip Prison. And I just had a realisation on the spot like an epiphany that mm. this is it. If that's who's got your back True. and you you left your kids, you know, at that point, I think they were six and eight. I'd already served five years before that. So I'd spent... A couple of years with each mm. yeah are you going to dedicate your life to these people and i was just like i'm done yeah where are those guys now well they that gang crazy enough they kicked on they and they rang me when i was home i'd been home a, a year and they could come out come out come out we go out one day to just do us what i call minor crime distract a shopkeeper take money from the the safe or whatever it is in the shop it was something we did and travelled around Australia doing. It was um, called searching. And then at that point in time, um, police are watching them. I get arrested again. And I'm like, oh, are you joking? But same, it was sort of like the concrete. It was like, this is it. I am done. I'm dusted. You gave them more time. I didn't want to go on a day. I ended up going and it's on me. It's not them. They, can sh they showed up at my workplace. They the hell out of me. I was like, no, 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 no. Showed up at the workplace. I jumped in the car and I, I that's on me. Dragged it out for three years and the judge ended up saying, mate, show me another bloke that's got such a history that's done well and stayed out for three years now. So end up with a community service order and mm. I just never looked back. They kicked on. More banks, more armour guards. They got 19 years with 14 years on the bottom. They <laughs> were five years into their sentence. They've been in and out on this appeal and they're currently out, I believe, at this moment, but they've got to go back to trial for the mm. fourth or fifth time. So just, yeah, what a nightmare. And I'm 14 years clean and home yeah. and happy, man. I I don't know, you might have had this thought, but I remember I've had this thought come through my mind when you walk down the street and you see an armor guard car, right? Mm. And I genuinely have had this thought. I'm like, I wonder how hard it would be to do that. Mm. Not that I would ever do it. But yeah, I always wondered if not, like, no, but I people would think that. But I, I have had that thought mm. because you, you go, there's so much. There's, I don't know how much money would be mm. in an armor guard car, but you go, it's just sitting in there. Mm. Like what? Like, ha, have you done a few? Did you do a few of those or never got charged for anything like that either? There no. you go. Yeah. Yep. So. The golden rule in crime was never talk about what you didn't do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smart. Yeah, so, well, and I, don't, I mean that in a like it's a it's a real oxymoron for me mm. because I've changed my life. Yeah, and probably the best way to put it is you just all I can do is give back to society as much as I can. Of course, and that's probably the best way of doing it. And I do it with you know, every human being, not just on a youth crime or I, human beings around. We do domestic violence, youth mm. justice, mental health, high performance habits and rituals with uh, yeah, sp high professional sporting clubs as an example, um, corporates, mm. like this, in the end, it's all human beings. So I'm just giving that knowledge and love back to the world and that's, that's all I can do, man. I'm interested, like if these guys that were part of this gang yeah. and then you say they're, they're, they're either out or they're coming out soon, yeah. if they give you a, a call and say, hey, I just want to catch up down the pub, yep. you know. Where do you sit there in terms yeah. of even associating? Because now Absolutely. you've obviously, you're changing so many people's lives. You're Absolutely. doing so much good. Do you see, hey, I want to help them? Or do you go, I just, I can't even risk being associated anymore. Mm. Or if I'm not saying you would be tempted, but there probably comes a time with most people that mm. have done it over and over and over again. And they haven't done 14 years clean like you have, yeah. that there's always temptation for those guys to. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested. I, I what agree. would you do in that? 
scenario. Oh, it's funny because it was just my birthday. Um, I turned 50 December and I and one of those had got in contact with me and uh, I feel like he's on that cusp but just doesn't know how. Mm. Cusp of it like a breakthrough or yeah. a cusp of returning to crime? No, okay. um, I think he's done with it. If he can get, beat yeah. this trial, I think he'll go into a better space and place. He's just had enough. I hope so. Mm. So I invited him to the party. All the people that were there were people doing great things in life, business people, athletes, soldiers. Like they were all you know, good people at my birthday. So he could get around those and see what they look like and what a normal life looked like. And, you know, I'm happy to do that. Mate, you want to chat anything about crime, I'll remove you in a heartbeat. And I'm okay. at that point in time where, hey, respect my space and this is what I choose to do. And I think, as I said, that lesson when I first came home, that gave me the strength now to say, I ain't dabbling. Mm. I ain't, you want to talk to, I don't even want to hear it. And, mate, if you're going to do it, delete my number from your phone. And that'll be as far as that will get. And you can't, I can't talk about high performance habits and rituals if I'm not even practicing those myself. So that's something I pride myself on. And I pride what I teach. So same thing, if you look at the body, and I'm going to say be healthy and then, you know, be eating Big Macs or something. Yeah, you're like a weapon, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm 50. So yeah, you looking, it looks yeah. unbelievably good yeah. for 50. And I, I look, I, for me, it's not just the body, it's the brain, it's the it's the gut, it's who you're around, the proximity of the people you're in, the business that you carry in, the way you conduct yourself. So I went about building people. Yeah, we don't do it. Businesses, marketing, sales, admin, just as few, yeah. the owner and so forth. But us, we've got, you know, whether it's your health, your wealth, your gut, your, your thoughts, um, these different components of life. And then we'll go out to like relationships and we'll go out to life ill-equipped. Might be gun athlete, but not know how to deal with your partner. And now you get into a DV situation, lose your AFL contract. We've seen that happen yeah. many a time. So that's what we build into human beings. And we allow people to realize what gaps are missing. And I don't tell them, hey, to be successful, you need a million dollars. To be successful is determined by you. I'll keep you accountable to yours. And you, you he might want the million dollars. You might want in a piece, but guess what? I'm gonna keep you accountable until discipline becomes a part of your life. And you know, that's, I've got to pride myself on that and, and act it and be it and preach it and teach it every single day. Did you, know? you say you had kids? I two kids. How old are they now? They're 28 and 26. And, and you have a good relationship with them? Uh, we might, I was talking about this yesterday on um, Mark Boris's podcast and it was just, the yeah, with my son, it's been a hard one. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, it's just been a hard mm. relationship to, okay. to, to build. I text, I try. They're about half an hour, 40 minutes from myself. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just... He feels that I left his um, on my wife, who I didn't commit to. Same thing, you know. Got married, was with her for fifteen years during a lot of custody. But, um, even when I served that seven years in Melbourne, didn't put her on a visit list, so she didn't come in. I was like, "Listen, you're already stuck by me for five years." She was young at the time. Go and live your life. Um, I think we we're thirty or something, probably thirty. I said, "Just go and enjoy yourself, man. That this is my life. I chose it." I'll look after my son and so forth. And I think my son has just never forgiven me and it's been strained ever since. Daughter, same thing, it was strained and mm. it's been better than it was and there's still plenty of work to go. And I just had toxic you know, habits. And even then, I said two kids, I actually got three kids. Recently, same thing, I come home through that period, toxic behaviours, I was partying at the start again. It's okay here and there. Mm. And then people, a good mate of mine were partying one night. He said, Morgs, I love you. And he goes, but Chinese whispers in our community. I go, about what? And he goes, you talk about health, but you're partying with me, brother. And I looked at him, pushed it aside and said, brother, I'm going home. And he's like, are you joking? I was like, no, nah, no, nah, serious, you're right. So that, like these realisations, I've just had to say, pull my yeah we don't pull ourselves up enough and if we're true to our mate wanting you know you're my mate and i love you then i'm going to tell you what you need to hear Mm. and that night man i'm thankful forever because since then i've just stepped away and said yeah that's not for me long story short and the reason why i tell you that good friend that same i grew up with and 
he acts out against my ex-partner. So I'm like, oh, well, you want to play like that? His partner who is in and out of, yeah, toxic behaviours, just how you build as humans and how I was built from that whole scenario and how I grew up. And I, I own it. I rebuilt myself. But end up seeing his partner and she falls pregnant, has a kid. And, you know, they had, uh, they've had, uh, they already had kids. So she's living with him and he finds out that she's pregnant to me and she wants to have the kids. So, and I, I'd say, my, I haven't really shared that much um, to anybody, but so I've got three kids, two daughters mm. and one son. And that old version of let go of man, yeah. And it, yeah that's what we sit with and we say, it's okay, it's cool. Yeah. High five each other. Oh, what, you picked up, brother? Yeah, how are you? And especially the, that's another year to boys moment, as you know, as a, as a male. And for us to be warriors, again, as men, I think we've lost a lot of that because we accept that. Yeah, sweet, you know, get down to the pub, have a bet, whatever it is, watch the footy. Blondie gives you the eye and you've got a partner and now next minute we're, you know, we'll sneak there before we get back home and... You can hide mm. that all you want, but when you look you know. in the mirror the next morning, you know in here and, yeah, when you see the boys, that validation again of how good was that, brother? She mm. was hot, you know, and that to me rolled off into how we're built as human beings. And it, it, I know the females are built the same and whether you're a corporate soldier, it didn't matter, athletes, and we just instill those good habits and rituals into people's lives and mm. you become the warrior of your own life. Mm. Yeah, it's um, well. Firstly, thank you for being so open yeah. with all that. Yeah. That's that's I know probably tough to share. Can you take us inside a prison? Because yeah. we've actually from right when we started this show, I feel like we had this conversation a while ago. Because we because people obviously everybody knows what a prison is. Everybody yeah. hears these things, but what we see on TV, what we hear, some people say, oh, it's actually not a bad place to go if you're in a really dire situation. Some people say it's hell. Take us inside as as almost graphic as you can or is yeah. to paint the picture in our minds what is it like inside mate you go from the police cells and i never forget when you go to the police cells you pull up in the police car you get out they shut the gate behind you and it's big steel gates the other door's locked and then they bring you into the dock area you got the handcuffs on then you go into the cells overnight then from there you go out to the prison these days though you sit in the cells up to a month when i was in melbourne they call it the yellow submarine so you're in this it's almost shaped like a submarine. The lights are on the whole time. So for you to sleep, you pull the blankets over your head. It stinks. People are smoking. If you don't smoke, which I didn't, you can imagine the ventilation yeah. was beautiful. Um, <laughs> and then people coming off the drugs. Ah, oh, Jeev, I'm dying. And like mm. that, and that's relentless. So you're trying to, you know, you're stressed out. You've just got locked up. They're going off. You, it's just then people's like, shut up and bangs. People might so volatile. People punch on. Then you get into the prison truck. That stinks. It's got a particular smell. Whether people piss in it, whether people smoke in it. If someone gets in it and they've hidden some smokes in their cheeks or their butt and they pull them out, I'm like, oh, no. Because I didn't smoke. I was like, right. Oh. Imagine yeah, that. Double whammy. Getting one of those in your mouth and realise it's got a hair on it. You know? I like. know. <laughs> I used to think the same. Anyway, long story short, mate, they get it out and anyone got a match? No, no one's got a match. Look for a match because people stash them in the truck. No matches. I'm like, yeah, internally. But, you know, oh, yeah. it's too bad, boys. You can't breathe in it if the air conditioning's not working. It's like a sauna. And literally, when I say a sauna, you sort of, you always want is, you know, if a core fire truck smashes into the side of it and jams that door, there's no other way out. Yeah, And right. that truck, get, like I thought about that, like you thought about the armor guard. I thought, if we got crashed into the side of us and it spun and hit and it caught fire, mate, you perish, you're gone. There's no way. And you've got handcuffs on inside of it as well. And then you get out to the jail, go into a big holding area. They let you out. You walk straight into a holding cell. Same thing, the smell of it. It's just got this smell. It's a very unique smell. Then what are you here for, brother? And, like, you can feel the tension starting to build and people looking at you. And, I, bro, where are you from? Do I know you, bro? And, like, and then, like, what are you in for, brother? And, you know, if someone's a bit frail, they're looking at him like, is this bloke a rock spider who's touched kids or something? Yeah. They're, you know, eyeing people off and someone, you know, that gives you that valid, hey, Morgs, what a far out did you get caught? What are you in for this time, brother? And it's for us after a while, it became comfortable. If you knew people, okay, first time, you know, when you went, when I went to Long Bay, 
I was like, just, it was insane. You walk down, you get processed, strip naked, and lift your bores, spread mm. your cheeks. Wow. And that becomes just an, after your visits, when you go into this, you go there, it becomes a normal part. Walk down to the wing, you don't know what wing you're going in and what, uh, each wing, if, back then I think there was 18 wings in the Ramadan Centre, each wing could be, one wing could be absolute hectic. You walk in there and they're like, bro, come in the cell and they want to fight you from the get-go. Some some wings just don't want the trouble. And why do they want to, why? Establishing dominance or yeah, fear? Yeah, it's or? just, yeah. Even bloke I was, uh, I trained with blokes that made on one of the most feared blokes in the system. He goes, do you want to get it over and done with in the cell? Then they were in the cell together and you've got to imagine the cell door's locked and there's no one watching, there's no cameras. So it could go to the end. And that's, you know, like you walk in, and you go, mate, you, don't, you just don't know what you're going to get in that cell. Many times someone's walked into that cell and not walked out. And that's right. like on day one. And it's, you know, so you do the old gulp and it's like, mm. who, who am I getting? And you look at the name and you're like, fuck, do I know this person? Yeah. Like you literally do. Or, or, you know, and then they'll say, oh, I'm all with Jono. Yeah, he's good, bro. First, first bloke, one of the first blokes I got was a bloke who was hectic as HIV, and I'm an 18-year-old kid, and I'm just thinking, man, if this bloke tries to bounce me for whatever, if he was like that, um, great, gratefully he wasn't. He was actually a champion-like person. You would have been to a corner. With. Yeah, you've yeah. you got to do what you got to do. And it's and then I'm thinking, what if he starts to bleed and I'm punching on with him? What's going So oh, oh, I'm thinking in out. my head, far out, what, how do I do this? Like in my head. So it's just... And then those cells, they're just, oh, man, chatty. Like it's, when I say chatty, it's disgusting, dirty. So it's what – and you just end up accepting it. It's just yeah. normal. And you clean it as best you can. Most people, if they get what's called a one-out cell, um, I was lucky. You pull the system, you go and say you've got problems, your mind's not working, or mm. I'm going to do something to someone. If you put them in the cell, you get a medical certificate. And I got one out for pretty much every sentence I got, which meant that no one came into my cell. Oh, right. And that made it a lot easier because now I don't have to battle that. There's four out cells and a lot of the four out cells would have big punch ones because one bloke wanted to sit up watching TV, the rest didn't. <laughs> yeah, and, and That's a real thing. Absolutely. You might love sitting up till three in the morning. The rest are like, turn the TV, don't tell me, bang, bang, bang. And, you know, that could happen over milk. And there's blokes that got killed over milk and over um, moving stuff from this part of the fridge to this part of the fridge. Really? Literally because that's my space and you disrespected me. So yeah. it's it's such a volatile place. And, you know, if you ever get there, hopefully no one gets there. It's not a holiday no. destination no. that I'm, I've got yeah. on my list anytime soon. But if you end up there, my biggest thing is to make sure that you just listen and, and don't do anything. Yeah, If you're unsure, don't do it. Like just sit there and maybe ask somebody what what's the go with this, what's the go with the washing, mm. those sorts of things. People walk up and put their washing in and there's bags, plastic bags lined up with your name on it. And same thing drama straight away so wow. it's all yeah disrespect you want to disrespect me i'll show you that i'll stand up for me and if you don't do that guess what's going to happen people are going to say tomorrow when you bring your 60 dollars worth of canine dan gives you a buyout brother and you're like oh bro bang 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 wow and just take it and you know it's how do you think we could rebrand that individual with that set mind to change that mindset, we have to get in so deep. And this is where, you know, what we do, I, I realised the power of how I flip my mind. Because my first response was, if you mess with me, I'm like, F you up. Yeah, of course. And I didn't say that to anybody, but you get, you know, people know if you do it, he's going to he's gonna cross the line. And I, in my head, I was willing to go to the end. And that, mm. that was the truth of the matter. And when you, it's pretty insane at any age, whether I was mature but you just think, well, I'll have to, I'll do what I need yeah. to do, and you, because you're doing the mass in your head. Because if I don't, it could be you. Mm. And next minute, he's jumping on your head or put a knife through or something of that nature. It's just insane. So, yeah. It's a, Can it's I a just ask one more question before yeah, we move on? Because because they joke about it a lot on TV. Yeah. But I wondered if it's real. And I, I know I've got to beat this word out. But is there is there going on in there? Is it's that a, true like, or not? It's not as 
Yeah, you see the movies, come here, big boy. And yeah, when you first, that doesn't. Yeah, of, drop the soap. Kind yeah, of shit. yeah, like I went to Parramatta and, mate, the showers were like I don't know twenty showers along a wall. Eighteen year old kid, and you got these big tanks down there, and you just, there's a shower free, and I'm like, oh, I'll wait till everyone goes out, and it's like you've got an hour or something. They open it up, you got to walk in and just get it done. So you strip naked, walk in amongst these tank of men men with hairy chests and it's just you do your thing yeah you do the wrong thing you start looking at someone maybe you might get that uppercut i just spoke about but in general those that do it they sort of knew and probably the last sentences i saw more a transition of transsexual type men. Mm. yeah okay and you sort of knew who they were and if people wanted that or they wanted that but it was even then those that wanted it people would find out but they'd try and dark horse it so they wouldn't sort of announce it to the world they try and do it in you know let's play chess and and then let's play chess in the cell and yeah. that sort of thing would happen but and it wasn't it wasn't so much unwilling no nah, yeah, yeah. no nah. right. look there's there was cases i think in the whole time i was there there was one case where that happened in my unit and that case, I think they, I don't know if they got, I think they got charged yeah. for it. And that was in a four out cell. So the three of them gotcha. with, with some other bloke. And so if you, that. if you, like you said that people kill people in there. Absolutely. So if, if you commit further crimes in there, what does that do? Does that extend your time? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah, probably get, uh, I was just, um, we're talking about this the other day, someone I knew, I think they got 25 years for a crime that they committed in there against somebody. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's. Crazy, and there's like blokes that are in there that have got life, and the new definition of life now is never to be released, like America. So mm. imagine you got uh, if you mess up with me, I'll just stick you. And who cares? Is there suicide a lot? There was, yeah, there was a couple of suicides when I was there. There was a bloke um, when I was young, and I, I'll never forget that story. He said, "Morgs, you awake?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course, bro. What is it?" And he goes, "Oh, I, I want to chat." And I was, "I oh, actually, I like." Morgs, are you awake? And I said, um, no, I'm not awake, but do you need to talk? And he goes, don't worry about it, brother. I'll talk to you in the morning. And I was like, all right, sweet. And I, I said I was sleeping. I go, what do you think I'm doing, brother? I'm sleeping. It's 2 o'clock. I said, all good? He goes, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's all good, brother. And um, that young kid didn't walk out of his cell. And I, they brought his family into the unit and they were crying walking into the oh. unit, walking out of the unit, something I'll never forget. And... You know, that's why I am who I am today too. I was part of our business. When I, even on socials, you see it, I'll drop my number on posts. You know, there's a post at the top of my page. I'll pin 3 million views. I've posted my number there for anyone to reach out. If you feel that you're in a position, you need to chat. And that, you know, that goes global. And that's yeah. because that's a missed opportunity, you know, and I'll never miss that again. Um, but I just wasn't equipped. I was just, you know, sleeping yeah. in yeah. jail, thinking it was nothing. And people that have sort of got to the end, um, bloke who, Shane Hatfield, who, you know, got arrested for huge drug bust, just recently committed suicide in, in jail in Sydney. They get to the end where, you know, he's done a big sentence before. I think he was, you know, of age now mm. and just probably realisation that he's going to die there anyway. I might as well check out early and... Yeah, it's just sad. So they're the types, the two types of people, mm. those that can't handle it and those that probably, and they probably all, and I mean that not in a bad way, yeah. where they just say, oh, I can't do this yeah. and yeah. unfortunately check out. Sad. And may they all rest easy, including shame, man. Yeah. Oh, I've got, I'm enjoying this so much. Yeah, yeah. I really am. You're an amazing person and yeah, what you're doing is incredible. I don't want to stop, but we have to jump to the next segment, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to keep asking, you know. Uh, you've got the... Oh, do I have it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll get um, it up one second. But I know. It's, maybe it's, we can do a part two down here. We might have. One actually, let's do it. Let's do I'm that. I'm down there in March. Melbourne. The third, third and fourth for the National Suicide Prevention Conference. Oh, right. Funnily, not funnily enough, like... Yeah, we were just talking about it, so yeah. it's ripping. All right, well, this is going to completely change the tune of this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to go from a very serious topic to probably not the serious, the most serious one. But what is in the golf box is brought to you by our good friends at Golf Box, Australia's greatest golf superstore. If you need it, they have it, and it gets to you fast and free. You can shop online right now at golfbox.com.au. Now, Doss, uh, explain to Jeff what we're about to do here. 
Well, thanks to our friends at Golf Box. Try to come up with a little bit of a game that's yeah. somewhat what, 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 what thought-provoking questions that aren't sim- just, you know, straight random. lined. It's, yeah. it's a bit of a random and you might have a funny story or there might be something that you can read and you go, oh, <laughs> shit, I've actually got a good story for that. Or there might be a little challenge in there too. We had, our last guest had a good challenge as well and he, he did quite well. But whatever you read out or whatever you do, there's a – a nice prize. So I hope I you know. like your golf, or if they're, if you don't like your golf, you'll I think you'll still enjoy so it. So reach in, Jeff, and let's see what's in the golf let's box, and let's out. read that out to our listeners. Hey, the celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've never had that one. <laughs> this is the first time we've had that. Impersonate a celebrity. Who's, Have who's you got? Celebrity? Surely you can do an Arnie. You're a bit. Uh, you're. A, I was. I loved Arnie as a kid because he had his big grey you know, encyclopedia of um, bodybuilding. Yeah, he did too. That was yeah. a really big book. <laughs> That's why put me on there. I, I couldn't even do his voice. It's gonna be <laughs> terrible. But here we go. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> Pump those weights. No, what do you say? <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. That's good. That's well good. done. No, I love it. it I love it. Not Sorry, bad. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, Golf box are presenting you with a two hundred fifty dollars voucher, mate. So take that. Enjoy it. Uh, they've got everything on there. So. From, you know, golf accessories, golf clothing. You don't have to wear them playing golf. You might find yourself a nice little polo that yeah. you might, you know, be able to wear. Mate, I'll go out and slog the boy out at Moore Park um, down in Sydney. It's a it's a good driving range. There you go. Down there any time. And uh, I say I slog it because, mate, people next in the next <laughs> booth get, get a hit every yeah. now and again. Yeah. And it comes from me. <laughs> I'm one of those too. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. Well, <laughs> mate, hopefully you enjoy that, but we just want to thank you. Um, yeah. Sorry we have to, unfortunately we have to keep a, a time limit on it, but part two perhaps one day. But thank you so much for, for really going deep because it gives everybody an, a perception. And I think a lot of the time for us, we, we see movies, we see TV, we yeah. hear stories, but until you kind of sit across from someone and really listen and describe it properly, not just surface level... It makes a big difference. And now... I love that. Congratulations on, in all seriousness. Mm. And what you've done now is incredible. Firstly, congratulations for being 14 years clean, if that's the term. Because at the end of the day, that's, I mean, Huge. based on... Yeah, it's massive. Based on on what you went through as a, as a, as a young boy. Crazy. So congratulations mm. on that. But congratulations on the lives you're changing and impacting. Yeah, I'm sure you've got a couple of words for Jeff. No, I'll, I'll leave it with that. Thanks I, so much, Jeff. Mate, I appreciate you having me. And anybody that wants to reach out, you feel that you need any help in any way, shape or form. It's not just about mental health. It's about leadership. It's about well-being. It's about your mindset. That's what we do. And we, you know, we work with corporates, athletes, soldiers, organisations, communities, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, lovers. You reach out. Kids, school kids. Mm. Canterbury um, Bulldogs, I saw. Yeah. yeah. Do we do the NRL. A lot of, lot of work with the NRL. It's great. We're chatting to the AFL. Oh, that would oh, be good. We'd love that. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, mate, by all means, reach out. JeffreyMorgan.com.au. And, you know, I appreciate your time. And don't let anybody define who you are. And don't let your past define your future. How you finish mm. is the most important. Awesome. Thanks Thanks again, Jeff. Jeff. Thanks for having me. D, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, D? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.